You're listening to Discovering Multifamily, where we discuss all educational topics in commercial real estate with an emphasis on multifamily apartment investing via syndication. And now your hosts, former NFL fullback Brian Leonard and Anthony Scandariato. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Discovering Multifamily podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Scandariato with Red Knight Properties. And today we have a very special guest here with us. It's a fantastic guest, Chris Miles. And Chris Miles is actually the host of his own show called the Chris Miles Money Show. And he's the leading cash flow expert for real estate investors. And he's the anti-financial advisor. We, you know, we hear a lot about financial advisement, but uh, Chris actually became financially independent not once but twice by the time he was 39. So he has a lot of experience. And what we're going to talk about today is different ways to free up cash and, you know, get your investment money to pay you twice and, you know, how to create an anti-financial plan and basically why financial advisors suck, um, so it, it, to put it in his own words. So really excited to have Chris today on the show. Welcome, Chris. Hey, it's such a pleasure being here, Anthony. Awesome. So tell us, t- tell us a little bit. You used to be a financial advisor. So why do they suck? Yeah, you know what? You know, it's funny because I never intended to become a financial advisor, but you know, I was going to become a business consultant. And then around the turn of the century, or I guess the millennium, right? That makes me sound old, doesn't it? Um, you know, around the turn of you know Y two K during that time period of time, uh, you know, I, I decided that I needed to have a real, like, an actual business, like real life business experience if I was going to be a business consultant. Uh, so the first business that came up that I thought was harder to get into than than I realized was financial advising. Uh, I didn't realize at the time, I thought, thought you had to have like, you know, impress people, wear the best suit or whatever, you know, just to get hired. And, you know, and so after a few years, I mean, I was, I bought into the Kool-Aid, that financial advisor way to go. You save everything, save it forever, save it for the long haul, take high risk to create high returns, all the traditional conventional crap that you hear, right? And, uh, and then as I got about three or four years in, I started to meet people that were millionaires, you know, people that actually had real results with their money whether they were business owners or and i found out even later some other guys that were like business like real estate investors and they would make fun of the things i taught right because they'd say yeah that's bull crap you know i, I remember I had a brother-in-law who's you know his father was a self-made millionaire and, and their family was well to do and he's like chris i give you ten thousand dollars and if you say you can make me twelve percent that's twelve hundred bucks a year but i can take ten thousand dollars put it in my business and make twenty thousand a few months later so why would I invest with you? And of course, my answer was like every other financial advisor, which was, uh, well, you should be diversified. You shouldn't put all your eggs in one basket. Besides, business is risky, right? Funny enough, that I was a business owner myself, you know, but uh, that's what I said. And so anyways, flash forward to t- right before 2006, uh, there was a guy I had trained to be a financial advisor. He left the industry to go be a real estate investor. And I remember calling him up. I was going to wish him a Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, right, for this holiday season. And I thought, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to see how he's doing because I bet you he's gone broke. And if he is, I'm going to convince him to work with me again. So I called him up and I said, how are you doing, Doug? And he's like, man, I'm awesome. My, my dad has already doubled his income for me a professor at the local university. I said, Doug, that's, that's impossible because you just quit four months ago. <laughs> that's quote unquote too good to be true as you hear people say in our space all the time. Right. And he's like, no man, we're doing it. And so we went back and forth about what's really better stocks or real estate. And he finally just stopped me. He said, Chris, 
how many of your clients are actually financially free where they don't worry about money? I said, well, none, not even the retired ones because they still worry about money, worried that they'll run out of money. He said, well, good job, Chris, way to go. Well, how about this? How many of you guys as financial advisors are financially free, not off the commissions you're earning, but actually doing the investments you've been recommending? Because if anybody's figured it out, shouldn't have been you guys. And Chris, I know there's guys in that office of yours that have been working since the late 70s. So how's it working for them? And I said, well, uh, none of those guys are financially free. Maybe this one guy is. And I found out that one guy wasn't either. He was just all, you know, all show, right? He said, well, there's your problem. I said, well, tell me the answer. He's like, no, I won't because I know you just won't listen to me anyways. You just got done arguing with me, Chris. And I said, listen, you got me to admit that there's a, you've, you got me in the corner here. So give me something, you know? And he said, all right, well, if you're serious, listen to this AM talk radio show that was here local in Utah and get the book by Robert Kiyosaki called Who Took My Money? which is a lesser known rich dad book that says mutual funds suck. That's, that's it in two words or three words. Right. <laughs> and uh, so anyways, I started going down this path, like 2006, I was trying to make it work. I was like, can I stay as a financial advisor and still do something different? And finally by March of 06, I said, I'm done. I can't teach this stuff anymore because the truth is people aren't financially free. Cause I, I realized that the real rate of return of the stock market, for example, wasn't 10 or 12%. Like I was teaching people, the real rate of return was more like 8%. And you put those numbers in, it gets really depressing. So when I try to strategically plan for these people and I put in real numbers, I put in 8% for the actual return. And that's even pretty aggressive, right? I mean, most people don't even get that high of a return when you factor in costs and everything. And then I was like, well, okay, well, what about inflation? Well, inflation is not really 2 or 3% like the Fed say it is. It's usually much higher. Um, so, boy, if I make that inflation rate 4 or 5%, I started to realize nobody could retire. And so I was like, I'm done. I can't teach this and stay in integrity anymore and tell people that they're going to be free when they won't be. So I left. I said, I will just go be a mortgage broker because it was 2006. Everybody could be a mortgage broker. And, uh, and then I would teach ballroom dancing on the side, you know, because little known fact about me is I was one of the nation's top amateur ballroom dancers. Um, so I started doing that. But I had to learn what these guys knew. And these guys were real estate investors and business owners were doing things differently. They were doing money the opposite way of what I was taught, much like what we're teaching on this show and even on my own podcast, right, is doing it the opposite. And, uh, and I'll tell you, like, that's how I was able to retire the first time in 2006. Like, I was able to become financially independent by doing the opposite, by not investing in mutual funds, by investing in things that actually provide real cash flow. And when I started to change that mentality of cat going from a, an accumulation mindset to an acceleration cash flow mindset, everything in my world changed. In fact, uh, I'll tell you, I, I had never been more excited in my life because all of a sudden, like there was hope again, right? Like it wasn't like I was just theory that these financial advisors were teaching. It was real life. People were actually doing it and including myself. That is excellent. So, so tell us, so you found that basically everything that you were taught it's not necessarily wrong, but there's a different way if you really want to build and maintain your wealth and become financially independent after adjusting for inflation and cost of living, so on and so forth. So what did you end up basically investing your money in? Obviously, you were a mortgage broker. So was it real estate? What, what actually gave you the ability to be financially independent twice? By your, you know, by your, you weren't even forty yet. So, 
Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, the first time, you know, it was a lot easier because I had lower expenses. I only needed 3500 a month to be financially independent. Uh, so it was a piece of cake compared to, you know, nowadays where I've got eight kids with a blended family. I have a Brady Bunch-like family from previous marriages, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, back then, it was only 3500 a month. And so I did it back then primarily through business streams of income, like doing residual streams that way. Because um, I, I quit being a financial advisor, but people kept asking me questions. So I would send them to somebody else that actually thought and taught differently, you know, when they wanted like to learn different things or do different things. And I was able to, you know, do some affiliate type thing or what would now be called affiliate. I was just purely just referring people, you know, and uh, helping them out. Uh, Even on the mortgage side, I actually stopped doing the mortgages. I just had a team do it for me and I was making residual income that way, you know, so I didn't have to be the guy doing all the work. Um, And then also I was doing some real estate. So I remember I, did my, you know, one of my first rental properties there. And, you know, that was interesting because it was like with my starter home, you know, I basically did like the Burr method, right. And uh, did that. And, you know, I just kind of got into that space, you know, some lending and things of that nature. And that's what got me the first time. Uh, now, the reason there was a second time is because, you know, I started as a, as I started to grow the wealth, right. Um, I got overly cocky, you know, I was 28 years old. I was financially independent. I was thinking, dang, I'm good. Everything I, t- I, I touch turns to the gold, right? So I started like trying to hit home runs instead of the base hits that got me there in the first place. So I started trying to buy for appreciation, which before the last recession was a stupid move, right? Because, you know, I was like, well, listen, if I buy a $100,000 property, it appreciates 10%, I make 10 grand. But if I buy a $500,000 property, it appreciates 10%, I make 50 grand. And by the way, this is not too much di- a different of a mindset that some people are buying into right now where they are banking on appreciation. That's, that's dumb. That's, a, that's an amateur move. Don't do it, right? Um, you know, it's like, you know, I mean, now it's different in the, in the multifamily space because obviously if you get the NOI higher, you can get the value up higher, right? But, but even then, there's still no guarantees. You know, it's always about the cash flow. And that's why I took my eye off the prize. And, and between that and and some other things, launching a business with a bunch of guys that were also financially independent, uh, we found ourselves in a world of hurt trying to launch a brand new business in the middle of a recession, you know? So um, that's why I ended up going from like millionaire to then upside down millionaire. I was over a million dollars in debt uh, by 2008, 2009. And I had to dig my way back out of that. You know, I didn't file for bankruptcy, but you know, I had to slowly work my way back up, rebuild credit because my credit was shot. I had no cash, no credit. Um, pretty much all I had was what I could do with my own, my brain, you know, like what could I create in business and things like that and rebuild to the point where I could start rebuilding a portfolio too. And I was able to do it again by the end of 2016. But this time I wasn't trying to hit the home runs. I wasn't trying to go for what was sexy um, because I realized later that boring is sexy, you know, like getting that consistent cash flow coming in. That's all that really matters, you know. You always hear the good stories in real estate about somebody flipping a property and you know making a killing, but you really ever hear somebody saying, "Man, I make three hundred bucks a door." Like you don't see somebody bragging about that, you know. But that's what really what should be bragged about. Absolutely, that is that's excellent. So, what do you think the best ways are to educate, uh, you know, people who are looking for that cash flow and aren't? getting the results that they need from their financial advisor uh, in the market or in different types mm-hmm. of, you know, insurance products. What, what has worked for you? Obviously the podcast, at least for me, helps get the message out there. What else is a good way to educate audiences? And then also 
if you could speak to us about some of the ways, you know, before we end the show soon, just some ways to free up cash in order for, you know, people to have the liquidity to make alternative investments like real estate. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like you said, I mean, to get the word out, you know, I have my own podcast show, the Chris Miles Money Show that I do, you know, teachings and stuff on as well, just like you do. Right. I mean, that's that's one of the easiest ways to get the word out to where it doesn't kill us you know, because <laughs> it's hard. I do do one on one consulting and my team does that as well, where we're trying to help people you know, become financially independent in the next five to 10 years, you know, and get them there. You know, figuring out with a myriad of options, you know, what in the alternative space can you do to get you to be financially independent, right? And going away from that space. Because the truth is that there, there's, you just won't find financial advisors out there that are willing to go there because they don't make a commission off of telling you to buy a real estate property. You know, they don't make money there. They're, they're, heck, if they're securities licensed, it's even worse. If they sell mutual funds, they're even more restrictive because I know because I had that license until 2005. You have to, I mean, you have to literally direct people that, that way towards mutual funds. You cannot, I mean, even if you try to bring up another business, say, hey, I'm doing real estate on the side. If you're a securities licensed guy, you, you're lucky to be able to do any real estate because you have to report all these, you know, quote unquote, outside business activities or OBAs, right? And sometimes the broker dealer can say, nope, we don't want you to do that. Too bad. You know, I, I even have clients that sometimes have those licenses and they're like, yeah, I can't do this investment because my, you know, my broker dealer restricts me from doing that. I mean, that's how bad it is. You know, it's, it's horrible. And so you've got to get away from that, that place because those guys aren't financially free. In fact, I challenge them. It's like, Hey, listen, if you know, you were to stop work today and the company stopped paying you trails and renewals, would you be financially independent? You know, and I guarantee they're going to say no, you know, they're not going to be able to last much longer without getting a job that, you know, you, you got to follow people that are actually living it and doing it today, right? Those that have been there, done that, still doing it. That's what you look for. So that's how we get the word out. Uh, ways to find cash flow. Uh, I'll tell you, I got an ebook on my website, moneyripples.com, that we talk a lot about that more in depth. But there are seven common ways if you're trying to find cash to then turn around and invest with. You know, one is start tracking your money. I mean, plain and simple. I mean, use, you know, and I like to use programs that leverage my time and energy, like Mint. You know, Mint is a great one um, that I can track my income and expenses. Don't just look at expenses, track both. You, you want to increase your income and find ways to be more efficient with your expenses without living on rice and beans. No, none of this Dave Ramsey crap, okay? Like, don't be living on rice and beans and, and being cheap because that does not work. You, nobody ever saves and, and becomes cheap all their way to wealth. It doesn't, doesn't work that way. You've got to still have a life too, but be a wise steward over the resources you have. Uh, another, another tip I tell people to look at is, is debt. You know, some debt you pay off, some debt we don't. And it's not about the type of debt, but it's based on the payment. So an easy equation that you can do is what I call a cash flow index, right? Uh, this is actually what helped dig me out of that million dollar plus debt hole. Uh, the cash flow index says this, is you take the balance of that loan, you divide it by the minimum monthly payment, and that gives you a number, it gives you an index, right? So for example, say you have a $10,000 car loan that's left on it, and the payment's $500 a month. Well, that's an index of 20. Let's say you also got a $10,000 credit card that's a payment of $200 a month. Well, that's an index of 50. And you might say, well, who cares, right? But here's the thing is that look at from a common sense standpoint, if all you had was 10,000 bucks and you're trying to find out what's gonna give you the biggest peace of mind, 
Is it paying off the credit card? Even if it's a higher interest rate, is it paying it off to free up 200 bucks a month? Or is it paying off the car that frees up $500 a month, even if it's a lower interest rate? Now, the Dave Ramseys would tell you, pay off the credit card and then go for the lower interest rate next. I, I call bull because real life has taught me that when, you know, when good, good things can happen, but bad things can happen too, you want to make sure you get the biggest bang for your buck to create options, to be able to create that, that ability to be flexible and pivot in case something goes wrong with, you know, or, you know, if income drops for whatever reason or expenses go up, you're still okay. Now, otherwise your whole financial plans up, up the Creek. And so I tell people pay off the car because that lower the index number is, the more I want to pay it off, especially if it gets below a 40, most likely, unless it's a really low interest rate, I don't pay it off until it hits 20. But, uh, but you know, for credit cards, I wait, I, I go for the lowest ones, the lowest index number, regardless of the interest rate, ignore it. You know, only use that as a tiebreaker. Interest rates are only good as a tiebreaker, but go for that lowest cash flow index number and then, then do the snowball method working your way up. Um, I generally though, I generally stop when it hits about, you know, when you get up to past 50 or 100 or so, you know, when you start having all your loans looking like that, especially mortgages, I want my mortgages to be like a 200 index or higher. So I want, again, biggest bang for my buck when I do that. So I pay off the loans that are low on that scale. The ones higher up, I either refinance to make them higher or I uh, don't, I just pay the minimums and then I invest the rest to create passive income. And so I say the biggest tip, I mean, overall with that and then some of the other tips I give too is, Get your money out of prison, you know, get it out of your, get out of prison, whether it's sitting in savings, you know, if it's just sitting there doing nothing, get out of prison and invest it, you know, whether it's in multifamily and whether it's in syndications or you're doing your own deals or you're buying, you know, single family, double, duplex, fourplexes, whatever, right? Like do something that actually buys real assets, a cash flow, um, get out of prison from your home equity, you know, right now that's dead equity that right now, especially when we see appreciation and, and really not even appreciation regardless of that inflation, right? Your dollars become worth less. Don't trap that equity in there to then lose to inflation. Instead, get those dollars working for you. So get it out of debt equity, get out of, you know, dumps, you know, sitting there in savings or maybe even in the stock market. You know, we can't legally tell you to do that, but if you can get your money to produce better, especially when it produces three, four times the cash flow you can make in the market, that's a no brainer. 100%, 100%. And the best way to reach you is moneyripples.com. Yeah, moneyripples.com, or you can find my podcast on iTunes or YouTube. Just look up the Chris Miles Money Show. Chris Miles, thank you so much for coming on our show. If you liked what you heard and or saw today, if you can leave us a rating and review on iTunes, that would help Chris and my message get out to a greater audience because that's what we're all about. We're all about educating and informing our audience to make wiser financial decisions. So thanks again for coming on, Chris. I really appreciate it. Such a pleasure. Thank you, Anthony.